Now, I'll bet some of you came hoping to not hear about COVID-19. So let's step away and spend some time with Jesus. Hi, thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Red-Headed Preacher. Today is Sunday, March 15th, and we are holding live worship. It's not digital. Uh, People are gathered in the flesh, keeping their distances, washing their hands upon arriving at the church. And um, we're not having coffee hour today. And that baptism I mentioned last week as our second baptism in a row, that's been postponed. But we are having worship today at least. And the lector that you'll hear reading the epistle from Romans and the gospel lesson is Carolyn Van Til. The sermon title is Wisdom, Grace, and Community Spread. So thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast, and I hope you are lifted up by what you hear today. And as I did a few weeks ago, let me uh, take the liberty of, uh, before ending this part, uh, this intro, uh, offer a brief word of prayer. Marvelous God, we give you thanks for this gift of technology for the brains that uh, were able to figure out how to put things like this together to enable this kind of uh, communication. And as we give our thanks for that and give our thanks for your word, we ask your blessing on the preaching of it and the listening to it, both on Sunday morning and whenever this podcast is listened to. Bless the listeners and guide us in the living of these days with the heart of faith and the heart of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. And now, Carolyn Van Til. The first reading today is our epistle lesson. It comes from Paul's letter to the church at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Paul talks about the consequences of believers being justified before God through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This ends the reading from Romans. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson? 
Last Sunday, when we had a baptism, the gospel lesson had Jesus refer to being both to being born of both water and the Spirit. Today, with another baptism, we have another passage having to do with water. It is John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. Jesus and the disciples were traveling north from Judea to Galilee and made a stop in Samaria, not exactly friendly territory. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How, it is, that, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now, you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, 
so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This ends the reading from John and our scripture lesson for this morning's service. May God grant us a generous and wise understanding of this, God's holy word. Well, here we are, the few, the brave, the washed, and sanitized. Thank you for being here, with no disrespect to those who elected to remain at home. We came out on one side of what I call tension, and they, for the most part, came out on another. According to Dr. Cunard, the health director of the village of Skokie, as of Wednesday morning, which now I know is a while ago, but at that time she said that we are in the minimal to moderate range in this process of mitigation, keeping our social distance of six to now 10 feet apart is sufficient, along with sneezing or coughing into tissues or your elbow. Some UCC congregations did elect to not hold community worship this morning, churches that have more than our average attendance. But how do you make these calls to come or not to come, to to hold worship in your in your church or to not hold it. These are hard decisions for us, aren't they? I think for many it was and perhaps still is in tension. We are told of the need to stay away from crowds, even to quarantine ourselves from others. This is to keep us from catching the virus and to keep us from unknowingly spreading it if we were to have it or become a carrier. At the other end are our desires to be in fellowship with each other and to sing and pray and listen and recharge our spiritual batteries together. For others, even something else is added, a strong sense of covenant obligation to be here for Sunday school and or for the council meeting or to otherwise be of service to each other here. So both of these sets of voices, almost like dueling Greek choruses in ancient Greek plays, speak of very important truths. Health and health. We know that this virus can be, has been, and will be fatal. We know that coming to this house of God as followers of the great physician is life-giving, uplifting, and helps us focus on our walk with Christ. It's not just any old Jesus we love, and it's not any old virus we want to avoid catching or spreading. Now, I'll bet some of you came hoping to not hear about COVID-19. So let's step away and spend some time with Jesus. It may be familiar ground, but we'll review it all the same. It helps to review it because it reminds us of major parts of who Jesus is, and key parts of his mission, and therefore our mission as his body on earth. 
Jesus and his disciples were traveling north from Judea back to Galilee. And Samaria was the region in between Galilee to the north and Judea to the south. There was a long history of animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews going back hundreds of years. Samaritans were the descendants of the recolonized foreigners whom the Assyrian Empire conquered in one land and brought them to the northern kingdom of Israel to live once they'd conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And that's what the Assyrians did to what we call the ten lost tribes of Israel. After Assyria did conquer Israel, many of the northern Jews were likely uprooted and plopped into another country, conquered and owned by the, by the Assyrians. Even within that first generation of forced immigrants, there began intermarriage with some of the Jewish people left behind by Assyria. And that led the Judean Jews to the south to refer to the Samaritans as half-bloods, or half-breeds. Add to this that over time, the Samaritans, who did not travel south to Jerusalem to worship, they did not recognize the temple there as the place to worship the Lord, they came to believe that their shrine on Mount Gerizim was the right place to worship God. Further, it was believed that Samaritans lent a hand to Sanballat when he tried to stop the Jews from, who were back from Babylonian exile from rebuilding the Jerusalem walls and not passively stop them from rebuilding the walls either. Well, if you're Jews coming back from exile and, and grandchildren of those, you don't forget that. Lastly, each side had staged a raid on the other including Jewish rabbis going to Mount Gerizim, and there was some shedding of blood. So it was easy to believe that in this religion where things could be clean or unclean, that Jews would not share things like cups with Samaritans because they viewed theirs, theirs, as unclean. It was probably the belief on both sides about the other's stuff. So, Here comes Jesus and the disciples, a rabbi and his followers, cutting through Samaria to get back home for a spell. And thinking of cutting through Samaria then, you might recall that story when Jesus sent some disciples, they were cutting through Samaria, to a a town in Samaria, seeking homes that would put them up. None would. So James and John asked, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They had a tough gig going through Samaria. Maybe a little like being stranded on the south side, trying to find a White Sox bar that will put the Cubs game on. It's not friendly territory. So they stop outside of town. The 12 go for food. He stays behind. It was about noon, John tells us, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now you've heard me and others preach on this passage enough times to know, not only about the Jewish-Samaritan contempt for each other, but also that generally, you know, wherever you are in the Middle East, women went out to draw water during the cool of the morning, not high noon. They went in groups for protection. 
This lady came alone at a time no one else did. Had she been shunned? It's fair to consider that a possibility. And here's this Jewish rabbi, a teacher, a miracle worker, someone whom the Pharisees cared about enough to make things uncomfortable for him in Judea. He's someone. And he talks to this possibly sketchy woman of Samaria. Now, rabbis did not talk to women in public. A Jewish rabbi would not ever talk to a Samaritan woman, most likely, and surely not in public. And here is one who comes with a question mark about her arrival. Jesus starts to chat with her, and he did start the conversation. He asks her for a drink. Of course, Jesus. He breaks the barriers of A, talking to a Samaritan, B, talking to a woman of Samaria, C, talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, who's showing up at the well at a wacky time, and D, puts himself in the position of asking her for a favor. Jesus shows when it comes to those divisions created by history and by others, including his own people, he does not let them stand in the way of relationship. His words and deeds tear them down, as do his death on the cross and rising from the tomb. Jesus is for all people. And the walls erected for prejudice, for rationalization of violence and abuse, for fear and hatred and sexism and bad choices of one's past will fall before him as he reaches out. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Treating someone who would be considered much less than, less than, by the rest of his society, as someone worth having a conversation with. She was an outsider, maybe among her own people, it seems that way, and surely an outsider in public to a Jewish man and a rabbi at that. No matter. He wanted to reach out to her to tell her about the living water, the living water of God, of life from God that springs up within a person unto eternal life. Her past did not scare him or bother him. It didn't keep him from starting this conversation, starting a relationship. And that's the Jesus we follow and who speaks to us. Jesus, the barrier breaker, the pioneer of equalizing humankind before the Lord and in service to love. So when we choose, as we may have to, or some do, as we choose, when we choose to stay home from worship, fellowship, and service for very good reasons, this is why there is genuine tension and distress. We have to be wise, and we long to respond to the grace we know in Jesus. This is not all. This Jesus story has another theme in its long, winding tale, and it is the fact that he has this living water to give. He told his new friend that if she knew the gift of God and knew who he was, she would have asked him, and he would have given her living water. Living water. 
Water, he says, that does not run dry, so it's not from a well. Water that is not H2O, because you do get thirsty after having been sated. A water that wells up, springs up to eternal life within somebody. Spiritual water. In Jeremiah, there are two references to living water. What is living water? In Jeremiah 2, verse 13, the Lord said... For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. So God is the fountain of living water, which sounds like God's own self and or salvation. In verse 13 of chapter 17, we read, O hope of Israel, O Lord, All who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be recorded in the underworld, for they have forsaken the fountain of living water, comma, the Lord. Jesus' gift is abundant life in God. Living water. Water that we need to live that does not wear out and which never leaves us thirsty. As I said, that would be spiritual water. Our bodies need water to live. Our souls also need water to live as souls. And that, in essence, would be God and our relationship with this loving God. Jesus offers this to that dejected, disrespected, despised by Jews, Samaritan woman at the well. And you know what we call that? That is grace. We are humbled to be servants of this grace, this gift of living water. It is a gift that we share by not hoarding, but by sharing, including what we buy in the store. We might buy buy some for ourselves, but maybe we also buy some extra for those who can't get to a store, who can't afford what's being sold at the store, who, who, or who may run out after a week or two, and you know they really will not be able to go out. But we can provide for them as a community because we serve a Lord who has brought us grace. Another theme of Jesus who he is, not only a barrier buster, like we covered, not only the giver of living water, but also someone who knew all about this stranger's life. He made an impact on her. So she quickly figured out by what he knew about her that he was a prophet. At first you might think, oh, she's changing the conversation. It's all going in a direction God wants it to go. She figured out he was a prophet And so in her thinking was he could end this age-old battle between Samaritan Jews about which place is the right place to worship God. So she asks, Jerusalem, Mount Gerizim. And he gives her an answer. But when she returned to her hometown and talked about him, what she said first had nothing to do with that. What she said first is this, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Now, Jesus was a powerfully perceptive man. In fact, he was more than a prophet. He knew her past. In his own way, Jesus was telling his new friend, I know you. I know you. 
It sounds pretty darn personal, doesn't it? This giver of living water, life with a loving God, knows us pretty personally and cares about us profoundly. This is Jesus whom we love and follow. This is who gives us grace and wisdom even in the face of COVID-19. This is why choosing to be among others of the faith and in worship or in song or prayer together is a heartstring pull which wisdom tugs at us to not pursue in a building together for now. That's the tension. And lastly, you know, I mentioned the third part of the sermon. It's not the third part because I'm more than two-thirds over. The last part of the sermon title is Community Spread. It comes here. Lastly, as a result of this, turns out to be a world-changing conversation. Our lady goes back to her Samaritan village, and I says she testifies to Jesus. And they, as a result of her testimony, they leave their religious ethnic quarantine, so to speak, and they go to see him and hear him for themselves. And on their way, Jesus teaches the disciples about the need to harvest and reap in a spiritual sense, for the kingdom of God. There are more persons that are out there to bring into the reign and the realm of God. There are more persons who will be thirsty for the real fountain of real life. So be ready, have your eyes open. It's like he's prepping them for the Samaritans who are going to break these barriers too. So the villagers come. And this shows that not all Samaritan towns are the same because instead of turning a cold shoulder like some did in Luke 9, they invite him to stay two days with them. And Carolyn read the good news, the great news. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. But they would not have checked Jesus out and come to faith without this woman bearing witness to Jesus first. She ended up being the one who brought them to Jesus. And the faith spread in that community. When you and I think about scientific and community wisdom, which almost dictate the washing of hands and covering of coughs and good, healthy practices. We hear about mitigating the community spread in the case of the virus. And churches and other communities of faith and business and civic places and places of communities of goodwill do not want to risk spreading the virus to more and more people. One person, we hear, can end up affecting several. I do not argue I acknowledge the tension that we have, we friends and followers of Jesus, this amazing Jesus, when called to stay home from gathering. We must listen to wisdom, which, by the way, can also say, if we're smart and attentive, gathering small groups like ours are worth the risk. We have already exposed ourselves to grace, which does not always walk in lockstep with wisdom. And there are times under God's wisdom and grace 
that one person infected with grace can indeed create community spread. The spread of faith. That's what this woman did. She created community spread of love. The spread of the Spirit of God. The spread of a spirit of peace. And that, COVID-19 or not, is community spread that is very good news. Amen. And that's a sacred wrap from St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, Just a word of additional information about the service. We ended by uh, singing Wade in the Water with guitar accompaniment. And uh, that was something a little bit different. So, as far as next Sunday... The plan right now is to have our normal Sunday service and Sunday school before that, but we are also waiting on the latest uh, urgent urgings from the CDC, and we'll be uh, paying attention to that. So regardless, I do anticipate preaching a sermon, whether it's on uh, a virtual church digital kind of presentation or whether it's in live worship, and... uh, There'll be a podcast one way or the other. So we look forward to uh, being in touch with you next week if you tune in. And may God bless your week and stay healthy and safe and rested. And uh, we're all in this together. So don't hoard, share. Bye for now.